Today I want to talk to you about the women who became sisters, who became teachers, and devoted their entire lives to Christ. And I was very fortunate to be brought up Catholic, and I was very fortunate to go to an all-Catholic parochial school from, you know, kindergarten through the eighth grade. I had one very instrumental person in my life. Her name is Sister Mary Inviolata Olchanowska, and um, she greatly blessed my life in two ways. When I was making my confirmation, the sacrament of my confirmation, she and I sat down because I was struggling with choosing a name. Uh, I needed to pick a patron saint's name, and um, I did not complete that assignment. So she said to me, who better to choose than the Blessed Mother's mother's name? So we chose Anne together. She chose Anne for me. And um, I believe in my heart that that experience was a seed that was planted inside of me to help me grow in my faith further and to do exactly what I'm doing today is continuing that journey, but I'm sharing that journey with all of you because I want to inspire you as well to continue your journey in searching out this beautiful faith in its entirety. I know we won't live long enough to really fully comprehend all the wonderful works of our Lord, but at least we can look at the wonderful works that he has started and inspired within us. So um, without further ado, I'm gonna to speak to you about Sister Marian Villada. I'm gonna share with you her necrology, which is a story of her life from the beginning to the end. And I'm gonna share with you also a saint from my hometown. And believe it or not, um, this was the only saint in the United States um, that recently became blessed. So let's start with Sister Miriam Velada. During breakfast on Wednesday, May 12, 2004, the sisters of the provincial administration were summoned to the infirmary to pray at the bedside of Sister Mary and Violata. Her soul had entered eternity a few minutes before. Although Sister Inviolata was 95 years old and had experienced weakness and discomfort during the last few weeks, her death was somewhat unexpected. Yet the words of the responsorial psalm of the day, let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord, seemed to shine on the face of Sister Inviolata as Sister Mary Aquinas, Zot provincial minister, blessed her for her journey to the eternal kingdom. In addition to the members of the provincial administration, Several sisters from the provincial house and from the infirmary came to bid Sister Inviolata a prayerful farewell. Each time our province sends forth to heaven another gift, each time we say an earthly goodbye to our beloved sisters, we experience a farewell that is a mixture of both tears and laughter. It is hard to have shared so many years in community with our sisters and then see them go, but it is also charming to reflect on the individuality or as we have said in recent years, the diversity of each sister. Sister Inviolata would have never chosen the refrain of the responsorial psalm on the day of her death, let us go rejoicing. Her whole life's journey had been one of discipline, sacrifice, rigidity, and traditionalism. While she was in control of her life, probably until her 92nd year, she continued to wear the traditional Felician garb 
including starch caps, cincture, and ankle-length habits. She would rather trip on her long scapular as she traveled the corridors of the provincial house than to wear a modified habit. While many sisters would disagree with her choices, there was an appreciation of her commitment to her values. She journeyed to God in her own way. She was honest in her convictions, almost believing that both she and the Pope were infallible. May God bless her earnest living out of her convictions. God must have surely invited her yesterday to rejoice in his presence and forget the struggle and strife that have been components of her long life. As recorded in a birth certificate issued by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, our dear sister Inviolata was born on February 3, 1909 in DuPont, Pennsylvania. Her parents were Andrew and Bernice. She was the oldest of seven, but was predeceased by her four brothers and sisters. Very few of the oldest sisters in our providence have extensive records concerning their education before entering the convent. However, in Sister Inviolata's file, there is detailed information. She attended public school for four years in Dunmore, Pennsylvania. She went on to St. Mary's School in Scranton for one year and finished her grammar school education at Woodrow Wilson in Minioka, Pennsylvania. 1925, graduate of Immaculate Conception High in Lodi, she spent her sophomore, junior, and senior years in Lodi. She entered the Felician Sisters Converse Congregation in Lodi, New Jersey on July 27, 1925, received the Felician habit on August 21, 1926, was given the religious name, Sister Mary, Inviolata. She made first religious vows on August 22, 1927, and professed final vows on August 20, 1933. A graduate of Immaculate Conception Junior College in Lodi, Sister Inviolata received a Bachelor of Arts degree in English from Seton Hall University. She took some graduate courses in Villanova in Pennsylvania and Loyola University in Los Angeles. She also fulfilled the requirements for two certifications from the state of New Jersey, one as an elementary teacher and one as a teacher of English. From 1927 to 1982, Sister was involved in the Ministry of Education, taught in schools in New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, and Maryland. Most of the time, she was an eighth grade teacher. For three years, she taught on the secondary level at St. Joseph High School in Pomona, California. Her files indicate that she kept professionally updated during her years of teaching. She was certified to teach religion in the archdiocese and diocese where she ministered. She also received a citation and medal from the Valley Forge Freedom Foundation because of her vast teaching experience from coast to coast, as the document indicates. In addition to teaching, Sister Inviolata ministered to God's people in other ways. She instructed CCD classes, mentored sodalities of the Blessed Virgin Mary, served as the parish sacristan and was a nurse's aide for three years. Very often as an eighth grade teacher, she was in charge of safety patrol in the school. When she was missioned in Pomona Catholic High School in California, she spent time on Indian reservations, watched the Indians build adobe homes, and saw them work on crafts. She had a chance when she was on the West Coast to visit the state of Washington, where she viewed the construction of a pontoon bridge. As in the case with most religious sisters, Sister Inviolata retired from teaching to embrace a new ministry. In 1982, she became the Provincial House Sacristan, a position she held for 10 years. Extremely conscientious in the fulfillment of her responsibilities as sacristan, she also made sure that the chaplains and visiting priests abided by all the church's regulation. In fact, several priests who had come to celebrate jubilees or other ceremonies with the Felician sisters have vivid memories of the sacristan. 
1992, Sister Inviolata truly retired in the Lord. Her responsibilities as a member of the provincial house were minimal, and she was able to spend time in Eucharistic adoration and deep contemplation. Never a very tall woman, she became increasingly shorter as her head weighed down in front of her as she walked. During the last few years at the provincial house, <clears throat> she fell several times. Amazingly, she never broke any bones, but she also never seemed to want to protect herself from future falls. Her habit would trail in front of her and behind her, as if waiting to trip her. Only under obedience did she use a wheelchair. Her obstinacy about remaining in the provincial house and not going to the infirmary was legendary. Finally, the day arrived when she became a patient in the infirmary, spending the last three years of her life there. Only in the last weeks of life she did succumb to the weakness, diminishment she was experiencing. In fact, it was big news at the infirmary that Sister Inviolata was in bed. Then the last day came. Sister Inviolata seemed okay when Sister Mary Lorene Pavinsky, local minister, checked in on her at 6 a.m. However, just two hours later, Sister Inviolata finally went rejoicing to the house of the Lord. I am sure she did not resist this invitation. When she died on May 12, 2004, she was 95 years old and had been a Felician sister for 79 years. Funeral services for Sister Mary and Velada Olchanaska were held at the Felician Sisters Infirmary, Our Lady of Lords Hall Chapel at 11 a.m. on Friday, May 14, 2004. Following the Mass of Christian burial, Sister was laid to rest in the Felician Sisters Cemetery in Lodi. Sister Inviolata is survived by nieces and nephews and cousins and extended family members in Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and Maryland, and several parts of the United States. So today our province sends another legendary figure to heaven. May she intercede to God to send more vibrant, committed young women to take her place as Felician sisters. May the dedication, fidelity, and perseverance of Sister Mary Inviolata be a model for many future generations of Felician sisters. Eternal rest grant unto her, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon her. May her soul and all the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. So I'm very, very honored to share this with you because I feel in my heart we don't really recognize the duties of a sister or a priest and how much they have contributed to us as Catholics. And she taught me, this wonderful nun had taught me in the eighth grade how to be a great speller, to write beautiful cursive, to compete in spelling bees, and to make wonderful arts and craft projects for the art fair. And I'm just so inspired by her, and I hope her story inspires you to further your faith walk with Jesus in a more beautiful, deeper, profound, and more fruitful way. The second sister I want to share with you is Sister Miriam Teresa. She is also from my hometown. Sister Miriam Teresa Demjanovich was baptized, confirmed, and made her first Holy Communion. She is buried in the grave below at St. Elizabeth College in Covenant Station. And <clears throat> I'm going to read to you an article that was published by Jonathan Lynn. Parish to honor Bayonne Nun en route to sainthood. The local parish where a Bayon nun was baptized on her way to sainthood will hold a liturgy of thanksgiving on Sunday to seek her intercession, one day after she is beatified in Newark, New Jersey. Sister Miriam Teresa Demjanovic, S.C., died in 1927, but the Roman Catholic Church has credited her with posthumously restoring perfect vision to a teenek boy who was legally blind as a result of juvenile macular degeneration. 
Born in Bayonne in 1901, Sister Danjanovich was baptized, confirmed, and made her first Holy Communion at St. John the Baptist, a Byzantine Catholic parish at 15 East 26th Street in Bayonne. The church will hold a 3 p.m. liturgy of Thanksgiving on Sunday. We are very proud to be the parish of Miriam Teresa, and we welcome everyone to share our joy and to learn more about our church, says the Reverend Ronald Baruski, 51, pastor of the church, said on the phone yesterday. We are excited that we claim as a parish location someone who through her great life of holiness is now at the stage of canonization to sainthood. He went on to say, Another local event, a special Thanksgiving Mass for Sister Demjanovic. Beatification will take place on Saturday, October 18th, 2014, at noon at St. Vincent de Paul Roman Catholic Church at 979 Avenue C. Sister Demjanovic will be beatified or named blessed today at Newark Sacred Heart Basilica in a ceremony officiated by Cardinal Angelo Amato, who will travel from Italy to represent Pope Francis. NJ Advanced Media reported yesterday. The ceremony, which will begin at 9.30, will be the first of its kind in the United States and is expected to draw thousands of people. In order for an act to be recognized by the Vatican as a miracle, it must be instantaneous, complete and irreversible, said Sister Canavan, a nun with the Sisters of Charity at Convent Station, told the New Jersey Advanced Media yesterday. <clears throat> After moving from the designation of Servant of God to Venerable to Blessed, Demjanovic is now one step away from being named a saint. Being declared a saint, a saint or canonization can only occur after the Church determines a second miracle can be attributed to an individual. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a very special nun. And I have another article here that was written by Al Sullivan and the title of this article is Closer to Sainthood. Bayonne native is elevated by Pope, born and raised in Bayonne. I was saying my rosary here at the window seat when suddenly the grounds outside appeared bathed in a dazzling light and the Blessed Mother was clearly seen by me, says Sister Miriam Teresa to her fellow students at College of St. Elizabeth at Convent Station in New Jersey. Prior to her graduation in 1923, she was describing one of those moments many people believe she showed her holiness. Sister Teresa later said the beauty and sweetness of the moment remained in her mind continually. In May, Pope Benedict XVI moved the Bayonne native one step closer to sainthood by elevating her title from servant of God to venerable. I am delighted about the announcement that the cause of Sister Miriam Teresa is moving forward and that the Holy Father has authorized bestowal of the title Venerable upon her, said Archbishop John Myers in a recent statement since becoming Archbishop of Newark. I have heard many stories about her goodness and holiness and her love of both the Lord and his people. I join in thanksgiving the good Lord and all in the church who have helped bring her cause to this point and am grateful that I have played a part in promoting the cause of this pious member of the Sisters of Charity of St. Elizabeth. Since 1945, when her followers established the Sister Miriam Teresa League in New Jersey to help her to help have her made a saint, the Roman Catholic Church has examined Sister Teresa's life, studying her virtues, writings, and reputations for holiness. Sister Teresa, whose birth name was 
Teresa Demjanovic was born in Bayonne on March 26, 1901, the youngest of seven children, although she did not make up her mind about becoming a Sister of Charity until she was in college. She apparently dedicated herself to God at a very early age. Born in a house on East 22nd Street in Bayonne, she was the daughter of a shoemaker and attended nearby St. John's Byzantine Church following Eastern Orthodox rites. Baptized five days after her birth, Teresa later wrote that the moment was, that moment was the start of her real life. She once told her spiritual director that as a child on the hook, she received from God the grace to understand the meaning of life, which was to do his will. She grew up in what is called the hook section of Bayonne, in one of a few houses that still emits the oil refineries. Her father eventually took up work at Tidewater Oil, one of the local companies. Her father has had a shoemaker's shop on the first floor of the building in what had previously been dry goods store. The family lived in the rest of the building with their seven children, five of whom survived adulthood. She always viewed her life as a series of internal transitions or states of grace. In her autobiography, she remembered sitting in the window of her father's store on January 19, 1904, when a fire gutted St. John's and recalled how she calmly watched the firefighters vividly outline against the background of flames. She also recalled neighbors bringing the vestments from the church into the store for safekeeping. She was apparently very conscious at that age, forming opinions of the women she saw and their reactions. She attended number five school where her sister Mary taught and then graduated from Lincoln School at the age of 11, by which time her father had closed his shop to work for Tidewater Oil. She received a high school diploma in January of 1917 from the Bayonne High School, where she was graduated as salutatorian. She did not go off to college immediately, but remained home to take care of her mother, a victim of the influenza epidemic. At this time, she wished very much to become a Carmelite, nun, but the lingering illness of her mother kept her at home as nurse and housekeeper. Her sister Mary said she was always cheerful in her work. After her mother's death in November of 1918, Sister Teresa helped comfort her family. Through the loss in the following September, she began attending the College of St. Elizabeth, from which she graduated summa cum laude in 1923. She returned to Bayonne afterward. Sister Teresa taught English and Latin for a whole, for a while at St. Aloysius School with the Sisters of Charity in Jersey City, but apparently found teaching difficult and claimed grading papers gave her eye strain. She debated whether or not to join the Carmelite Order of Sisters, but eventually joined the Sisters of Charity, which is devoted to the teaching of children. But she waited to enter until after her father's death in early 1925. She wrote that when she entered the convent on February 11, 1925, the Feast of Our Lady of Lords, nothing could disturb my calm. In her life, God gave her grace. She said when she took on the habit May 18, 1925, she adopted the names Miriam for the Blessed Mother and Teresa for the Saint of Avila. Saint Teresa, spiritual director and religion, Father Benedict Bradley was immediately aware of her gifts and directed some of her efforts toward writing. Sister Teresa authored a series of lectures, which with her consent he presented as his own in talks to other nuns. Sister Teresa took her final vows just before her death on May 8, 1927.
After Sister Teresa's death in 1927, Father Bradley disclosed her as the author and volume of her work called Greater Perfection was published posthumously. This was later translated into a number of languages, including Chinese. Some fellow nuns said she became a model for those wishing to live a life of contemplation. Miracles happen. Reports began to surface from around the world attributing a variety of miraculous favors and cures done at her intercession. In 1945, Rome authorized the local bishop to begin investigations as to whether or not Sister Teresa met the standards for sainthood. Becoming a saint is a rigorous process that involves four steps. The church first appoints someone to scrutinize claims of miracles with the intent to disprove them. During the second stage, a person's heroic virtues are recognized and the Pope declares the individual a servant of God. This happened in 1955, later entitling Sister Teresa to be called Venerable. Next, the Vatican closely examines a candidate's writings. Finally, to become a saint, a person must have miracles associated with her. This is usually an investigation conducted locally by the bishop from the area in which the proposed saint lived. In 2003, a tribunal met in convent station concerning the alleged miracles. At the intercession of Sister Teresa that took place in the 1960s, she was credited with helping to heal people, particularly with restoring the vision of a boy who was considered legally blind. The matter was investigated by a Newark Archdiocesan Tribunal, which concurred in 2005. The Vatican standard for miracles is extremely high. A board of doctors notoriously exacting must conclude that no reasonable medical examination exists for healing. If there are living witnesses, they are brought to testify. The second process known as the apostolic process is instituted by the Pope to more closely scrutinize the person's past and to determine if he or she be elevated to sainthood. If the Pope grants Sister Teresa the newly elected blessed status, he will do so at a mass held in Rome, at which time he will also set a feast date to be celebrated related to her life. Bayonne has dedicated a park in her name located on East 23rd Street, about two blocks from where she grew up. Reverend Monsignor Ronald J. Marshowitz, pastor of nearby Mount Carmel Church, said along with the recent naming of a street after Pope John Paul II, this part of the city has become a very venerable place. It is wonderful to have two people such as these so close to sainthood, he said, noting that Pope John Paul II was named blessed early this year as well. So if you want to reach out to this reporter, his name is Alan Sullivan, and you can reach him online at www.hudsonreporter.com or go to asullivan at hudsonreporter.com. So my brothers and sisters, uh, this was published in the Bayonne Community News on Wednesday, August 22nd, 2012. And I'm honored to be born in the same place where this saint was born. And I'm honored that I went to the same uh, school that was just a block from her house. And I actually played in that backyard where there's a monument honoring her name and her contributions. And I just had to share this story because I feel that when we hear the contributions of others, they inspire us to contribute more. 
and to tap into the mystery that is Christ inside of us so that way no gifts are left unused by us for the greater glory of God. So may God bless you and I thank you from the bottom of my heart to listen in on this most important podcast of my eighth grade sister Mary Inviolata and this beautiful nun, the saint, Sister Miriam Teresa. And may we call on their intercession, and then may we call on our guardian angel and their guardian angels this day in honor of everything they've ever done for Jesus and Mary and for all our brothers and sisters in Christ that have needed assistance. They kept themselves very busy in our Lord's vineyard, and we need to do the same. And I think if we kept our head down to do the work of God and not look up of all the distractions and the whispers going around us, we would accomplish great things, as did our two sisters in Christ. So Sister Miriam Violata, thank you. And Sister Miriam Teresa Demjanovic, thank you for your contributions. Thank you for your love of Christ to inspire me as a writer and someone who wants to preserve this wonderful history so that the next generation, my grandchildren, could know about how beautiful and how deep and how rich our faith really is and how we are called into that deep, rich faith to do everything for Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.